Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. back to Cool Mom 101. It's Emily here. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I have such a great episode for you. I'm so excited for you to hear this one. So we're at episode 21 with Donnie Ray from Style for the Priv and Priv Talks podcast. So Donnie is just an absolute boss and to top it off, she is a babe. Um, she has three kids and she's pregnant with her fourth right now. And we had such a great conversation. We talked about shifting your perspective around being an entrepreneur and kind of that working mom and, you know, how that is actually a great thing to show your children, your work ethic, why dad guilt just isn't a thing. Um, how Donnie actually got back to the core of who she was when she started back working in fashion. We chat about how she's uh, parenting in COVID-19 and also how she's adapting her business. So really great tips and insights there and just a really great conversation. I hope you get a lot out of it and I would love to hear what you thought So thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get to it. Here's episode 21 with Donnie Ray of Style for the Priv. Thank you so much for being here, Donnie. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So we are going to jump right on in to the mom fashions. Okay. Are these like bad confessions or like good confessions? Um, you know what? It's whatever you really want it to be. No judgment here. We're in a judgment-free zone. Like how about this mom fashion? I'm hiding in my car to do a podcast because my kids will not leave me alone and we're under quarantine. (laughs) It's so great though. You got to do what you got to do. So on that note, what's the best part of being a mom? Um, okay. So I, my kids are six, nine and two and a half. And I actually have one on the way as well. So exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it was like unplanned and a nice little surprise, but yeah, I'm six months pregnant. So I don't know what I'm in for. I'm certifiably insane, I think. But (laughs) I think the best part of being a mom is watching your kids grow and become who they are like naturally. And I'm such a, I'm such a nature versus nurture. I always talk about that. And I feel like kids are born their soul as, as their own. And so we guide them, but really, truly, they are authentically them. And so watching, like, for example, like Elias, my nine-year-old, just like develop into the human being that he is, I think has been the most rewarding part of being a mom. So as they get older, I just think it gets better. Awesome. That is great to hear because my one child is only 16 months and I already feel that way that it's gotten more fun and better and better for sure. 
Well, and I think with your first, you're like, you put a lot of stress onto every little thing that you do. And you're like, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? You have mom guilt. And then with me, like having three, I've done a lot of the things differently, but a lot of the things the same. And they are all incredibly different. So I'm like, truly, sometimes, I mean, within reason, like, it doesn't really matter what you do. They're going to be who they are. It takes the pressure off in a way, you know? Yes, I actually love that kind of philosophy that, and the way my dad kind of phrases it is he says, you can't take credit for all the good things your kids do and are, and you also can't, you know, berate yourself for any quote unquote bad things they do or they, you know, personality traits. Like a lot of it is innate within them. A hundred percent. And it's like so beautiful to think of it like that. And it's like, as a parent, that's such a gift to kind of unwrap each child and be like, who are you? Yes. And, and when they start to um, really like display their, their personalities, when that finally comes to life, which is like, I find three, four to be just hilariously fun because they're coming to life with who they are. Right. And they can finally communicate it, but it's just truly like, it is like unwrapping a present and it gets better as it goes on. And so I don't take a lot of credit for the good. And I, and I agree with your dad. I don't think we should beat ourselves up for the bad either because we're just human beings doing our best. Absolutely. Isn't that the truth? Now, what's the hardest thing you've learned so far as a mom? I mean, I think it's all hard being a mom. I think women are incredibly strong for our ability to like be patient. Like patience is probably the number one thing that I practice daily in being a better mom. But I also, um, I think probably how hard you are on yourself is the hardest part of being a mom. Right. And how have you learned to kind of let that go a bit? I don't know, because I still struggle with it now, just like I did with my first. I'm not as neurotic as I was with my first. You know, that fear when you bring that child to the hospital, doing anything wrong. Um, uh, yeah, and you're like, what the F have I done? Like, uh-huh. I'm then supposed you lose to care it. for this? Then you lose it. Then you like realize your baby falls off the bed a few times. They're okay. <laughs> you're like, this, this is fine. <laughs> I've had so many friends who have like told me that and it hasn't happened to me really yet, but I'm like, I'll be okay when it does. <laughs> Always about five or six months, you know, <laughs> just a little roll, just a little roll. And you just hope that there's carpet. So always put an area back <laughs> down, but it always happens. All of, and all of my kids are equal. So I think it's only fair that it happens to all of them. Yeah. Everyone gets a face plant off the bed. Come on. <laughs> It's only fair. It's life. (laughs) It is only fair. So you kind of mentioned this already, but have you experienced mom guilt? Sounds like you have. Oh God. Like to the worst. I'm, I'm like a perfectionist and I struggle with perfectionism, like with myself and then how I am with others. And so mom guilt has been prevalent from the moment I gave birth until I didn't so much have it in my pregnancies. But I did like the moment I gave birth to my first to today, I can tell you a day that I haven't felt some sort of mom guilt. And it's just something I battle every single day. And I don't know how you don't have it. No, I think you kind of said it in the beginning too. I mean, we do have so like women do have so many pieces going on. 
Um, that's not to take away from dads, but it is just a unique position that um, many moms find their, themselves in. I think particularly working moms, um, even more so entrepreneurs, it's just a lot to kind of juggle. And it is difficult, I think, to not feel a sense of, I should have been doing this, or you kind of reflect and think, well, should I have spent more time with them? It's hard. Yeah, I think with being a working mom, you almost could spoil them because of your mom guilt. And Mm -hmm. so I'm constantly aware of not doing that. You have to like be very, very aware of it because I I see it with working moms with older children and how they're always kind of overcompensating for the fact that they felt guilty that they worked. And I did a podcast on Priv Talks with Kat and Nat. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with who they are? They're so funny. Oh, yeah. They're hilarious. Hilarious mom truths. And they talk, they talk, they addressed the mom guilt and they, with working, with regards to working. And right. they said, um, basically like you are your kid's first impression was what I took from it. Mm-hmm. So that your attitude towards work, if you walk in the door and you're feeling guilty, well, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to play on that. But if you show them that you have pride over doing something and that this is a responsibility and something that you're happy to do, they in turn will grow up and be happy to work themselves and will be hard workers and will not be review for, oh, that was not a word, but you yeah. get the point. They will not berate. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, berate. Be right. They will not berate you for for that behavior. And so I just think you we we are have so much power as moms to set the tone. And if we set it with guilt, um, that is not going to work in our favor as parents because kids are innately very selfish and they will play off of those weaknesses because that's what they do. And it's not that they're awful little creatures, but they're smart and they <laughs> get what smart. they want and in, in whatever way they can. So I don't think we'll ever get rid of mom guilt, but I think we can try to like self-talk and reason with ourselves so that we are at least disguising it as best as possible because I don't think it's something we should practice because if that goes into our practice and that comes like sub- part of our daily actions. Yes, and I really like that perspective shift you're talking about with regards to work because so many moms at work that I talk to definitely feel that and I think it's such a a nice fresh perspective to think about what are the messages that you are sending to your children and actually, frankly, almost more importantly, to yourself. To yourself, exactly. Yeah, because why should you feel guilty for, you know, fulfilling having a fulfilling career that you love. Well, and also a lot of moms don't have the option on working. So although that might be something that like I truly in my family, like we have two household incomes and there's a lot of kids. So it's definitely been a conversation that has happened since three children have and now the forthcoming where it's like, it's hard to have both parents working. It's definitely a two parent job. Um, doing that. And so roles can shift and change. And depending on the income requirements in the house, some parents, so some families need two working incomes. And there's also a ton of single mothers out there that need to work and there's no option. Now, should they feel guilty for putting food on the table? Absolutely not. They should be incredibly proud of what they're doing. So I think we just need to set the tone and say like, this is, our life is what we make it. And once you make that decision, just run with it. Because you can't look back, you can't have regrets, and you can't 
act with regret. I feel that girl. Ain't nobody got time for regret. But it's so easy to sit here and say that. And it's so much harder to practice it. But I think it's like the word, the key word is practice. Like we practice until we kind of start to believe it, you know, because your, your internal voice does become your external narrative. And so if we practice that self-love and we practice that acceptance for ourselves, that will start to seep out. And then we will show those characteristics to our kids because we don't want our, like, we don't want our daughters to grow up to be shamed moms. I want her to be proud and to work if she wants to work or depending on her family's ability, if she wants to stay home, then she, then she stays home. I mean, there's, there's no wrong way to do it. It's just following your soul. And I don't think any mom should be shamed for what decisions they make. Absolutely not. We just, we do not need any more shaming or putting people down. (laughs) Isn't it hilarious though? Like, have you ever heard a man talk about dad guilt? No, there's no such effing thing. That's why I talk about it on here too, is partly it's like to open that conversation of, can you imagine like your partner sitting there being like, oh man, you know, I worked a 10 hour day. I feel awful like I don't think I spent enough time with my second child yesterday did I give them just food I'm or even just like hey I'm Glenn I'm a working dad that alone it's just a dad yeah actually that's a great point you would never hear a man call himself a working dad or a stay-at-home dad ever and if and if they did use the term stay-at-home dad there probably would be some kind of a stigma social stigma that came with it and that's what we need to change Definitely. Just the ability for everyone to have the choice that they want to make their own lives and not be judged or like you said, stigmatized for it. Oh my God. And we live in a society, like we live in one of the most, like you and I both live in the same city and it's one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in. It requires Mm -hmm. two incomes in a family to make it work. And even at that, people have jobs and side hustles. So the term work has become something completely different than what our parents and our grandparents experienced. So we do not need to add shaming ourselves for that, uh, that ability and that necessity to work on top of the fact that we actually have to do it just to pay our mortgage. Yeah, exactly. Necessity <laughs> and should be a choice as well. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, or else we just have to all move to like Yellowknife. Yeah, um, it's just not going to happen for me. No. You. <laughs> Cold. No. <laughs> so for those who are listening who might not know you yet, um, can you tell us, and I think these questions kind of go together, but how did you get into fashion and how did you start Privilege and kind of what that brand is all about? So I was always really into fashion. Um I, oh, I truly believe like in our soul, we are who we are. I've said that already on the podcast, but I was like sewing when I was six, had a sewing <laughs> machine and I would make like aprons and nightgowns and like I would take bed sheets and drapes from around the house and I'm really hated it. And I would in the middle of the night, like sew garments out of it. <laughs> and before that, when I was like four, I would take, I would make clothes out of like paper bags and like dress my siblings up. <laughs> in like fashion shows out of clothing. So I always really like had a creative eye and like particularly liked clothing and fashion. So it was funny. Like, I, I guess I got away from it 
through like in life as I like got older and like went to university and I went for business, but I never really thought that I could actually do that. Mm-hmm. I just, I talked about in university becoming an accountant. I mean, it was like bizarre because <laughs> anybody that knows me knows that that's the furthest thing from my personality. Yeah. I cannot picture that. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause on a mom note, um, I heard somebody, a therapist talk about this one time too. And he was like, kids are the closest to nature when they're kids like they are their soul is like the most authentically genuine at at that and then we kind of veer from it right and then as adults we try to get back to nature and we try to get back to like our true soulful form and so like for me that was very true because you kind of lose that you get so focused on what is my career and how am I going to make money and how many kids do I want and, you know, forming your life vision board. And mm-hmm. I had a, had a paper in university that I, I did this whole vocation, vocationary study on myself. And it was like, you answered like 40 pages of questions and then they, they kind of put you into a category of what you were best suited for. And it came out 98% fashion buyer was what it came out. (laughs) There you go. And I I was so like, I don't know, 22 and probably drunk and naive. And I didn't even read it, the response. And then I wrote my, I wrote my um, analysis on the report and I wrote that I wanted to be an accountant and my steps that I was going to take. And I was like, found this years later and was like, how out of reality was I? (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I was, um, didn't even know who I was. And then I happened to like one day it just clicked and I was like, I'm going to open a boutique. Mm -hmm. And so I just did, I'm a, I'm a doer. So I just acted on it. I had a spot and I had, um, some contacts in the industry. So I literally, um, came up, I was able to get some seed money, um, a very small amount. Mm -hmm. Um, and I started with that, um, And so off of that, I quickly made enough money within the business to like open up another location and then to open up another location. I also like franchised one for a short time. So I was able to like get my feet on the ground in the industry fairly quickly. And at that point I was only 24, I think. And this was back in like 2007. So um, it was like a better time. (laughs) Yeah. No, sorry. I I was 24. Yeah, it was 2007, right before. And then the um, economy kind of collapsed, 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was the recession. So I basically learned how to run a fashion business in the hard times. Right. And I just like literally learned by doing. I had never worked a day in retail. I didn't know anything. I just bought what I liked and found what I liked and then studied that industry to a core. And so that's where Priv was born. And Privilege started out as we now, we have now like rebranded to Priv um, in an effort of inclusivity and what privilege means. Now there are some negative connotations about the word privilege. So we've just shifted gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we've also launched a wholesale division called Priv Collections. So in an effort to like grow and scale 
beyond just like a brick and mortar store because we're constantly redefining ourselves. Like at this point now we're all under quarantine and it's completely digital and we all knew it was coming, the digital world. And we've been, we've been online and running that channel of our business for six years, seven years, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it's not a complete shift for us, but it's just a huge, now it's a huge push because that's the sole source of our business. Right. So, so yeah, for me, it was business before kids and it came very naturally. I think for me, it was just at one day that I started listening to my intuition and stopped fighting it. Wow. That's really cool. And I love that you had this old kind of like quiz or whatever that yeah. whole thing was, that whole analysis. And you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to be an accountant. It's so interesting. <laughs> it was such a, a a depiction of how a lot of 20 year olds don't like follow their heart. And for me, that was so true. I was just like so busy with like my social life and my work and making money and, you know, doing everything logically Mm -hmm. what I should be doing instead of what I was actually really passionate about. And you couldn't deny it, but yet I could deny it because I was totally ignoring it. Yeah. You could ignore it. And here's the interesting thing though, Donnie, is that a lot of people will just ignore for their whole adult life. Totally. Which makes me a little sad. So that's something that you should be really proud of that you did have the like audacity and the kind of like wherewithal to say, you know what, this thing, you know, this fashion thing is kind of tugging at me and I'm just going to do it. Totally. Because if you wait, life tends to just get harder as well. So I'm grateful that I took the leap and did it while I still had like the full freedom to work 12 hour days and to really grind it out before I had babies that needed my attention. Because by the time I had my first Elias, I had my business on the ground. Like I had a team, I had staff, I had a plan. And even though that's changed, I, I, I had my bearings, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the myth I told myself before kids was, and I felt this push before kids was like, as much as I have accomplished in my life, this will be the end of it because now I'm going to have kids and it will be so difficult to do this after. And I think that that opposite is true on what mm-hmm. I've learned. Nothing has made me more ambitious focused, organized, and determined than being a mom. And so my creative, most creative times were when I was pregnant, when I had a newborn. And I was like, kind of, I think you're close to who you're, you're more like authentically you in that mm-hmm. time possibly. So it's like, or, or maybe that's just my experience. Like I truly love being a mom. And so I feel authentically me and connected to myself when I'm not. And I, I find I'm very creative at that time. Totally. And then also you're fighting you're fighting not just for yourself and your business, but like this other human, you're fighting to make money, you're fighting for economics, to put food on the table or to pay for childcare. I mean, that's like a real responsibility. You need to make sure your business is viable so that you can justify even paying somebody to watch them to go to work. Yes, absolutely. Now I'm curious to know what you kind of touched on this because your business was already had a presence online. Priv was already selling online. Yes. So direct to consumers. Are there other ways that you 
are adapting in this type of circumstance, or even maybe other ways you adapted back in 2008 when you had the brand as well in kind of this crazy um, economic time? Yeah, um, for sure. And I think you can't ever stop inventing yourself. Like, I think the businesses that will struggle through this are the ones that are really set in what they do and who they are and that won't be willing to change and shift gears. And there's going to be a ton of change, a ton of change with the way we do. I mean, look at like our world has been under lockdown at this point for three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, even longer because my middle child was very, very sick and missed about a month of school before the quarantine. So we've been like, we have been on under lockdown for like two months. I am so stir crazy. It's insane. (laughs) But, um, we, um, we are like shifting gears very quickly. We're listening to our consumers and we're noticing like really quick shifts that we're going with. And I think if, if you're just treating this like a vacation and you're not defining yourself or figuring out what your next path is, it's going to be a real struggle. And I think where I was at in 2008 when the market shifted is that I was a new entrepreneur. So I was willing to do whatever it took. And I was in front of my customers every single day, shifting gears with the market. So that was what I think was made me able to grow during that. And and now it would be so easy. I have three kids, a fourth on the way. I've got a team of people. I don't necessarily have to be there. But I know because I was that I do have to be there. I have to work harder than ever and get in front of my customers somehow, even if it's digitally. I was like, I went on my Insta stories yesterday and talked. I never do that. Yeah, you never do that. (laughs) I never do that because I'm truly like a little bit shy in that way. And and I was like, no, I think I I think I have to like break out of that a little bit. And like you have to like really like get connected with your customers in a way that is like authentic so that you can know how your business is going to thrive because it won't be the way it was. It's going to be different. And like, that's what we know for sure. And it sounds like you're saying, obviously this is a simplistic um, version, but really trying to understand and listen to your customer and then being adaptable and not being so, you know, stuck in your ways and set in stone. And I think those businesses like, like Priv, like yourself are going to thrive after this. And I think that's, um, I don't want to take away from the negative impacts this pandemic is going to have and has had. Of course. Uh, That's just not to say that there won't be positive outcomes eventually. So I think that's the way that a lot of businesses need to start looking at it. Yeah. And I think with business and life, and I look even with my kids' school, they started they're like virtual homeschool today. (laughs) And it's like, we should always be asking ourselves, is there a better way to do this? Technology is changing so fast that even I ask myself that in business all the time. I'm like, oh, I opened this in 2007. Like if there's something we've been doing the same way the whole time, is there a better way now? Like maybe we should be shifting and changing. And, and also personally, like, Mm -hmm. is there a better way to manage my life? Is there a better way We should always be growing and learning. And even if that means shifting gears and changing ourselves, because I don't think we should fear that. I think we should um, embrace, embrace those things because that is the human growth. That's what we're supposed, that's what we're here for. 
Totally. And that's when you, when you do see those big shifts and growth sometimes, you know, when you're in that mindset is when things like this happen and they kind of, like you said, they either push you in a different direction or, you know, help show you where you should dedicate your time. So I think there's actually a lot of positives if you want to find them. I think even in the negative, you could probably find a positive because maybe there's a lot of industries that need to shift gears. I mean, like totally. that maybe need to not exist and, and then maybe something of something great and creative will come out of that. Um, we can't do it. Like look at Uber and taxis. We can't do it the traditional way just because that's how we do it. We have to transform and do what way works for the people and for our lives now. Yes. And that's one phrase that I've always been very allergic to is the explanation of because that's how we do it or that's how it's done. Yeah. I always think that that's like, don't say that ever. <laughs> no. And I find it's, it's kind of like, it's easy to get into that pattern and we probably say it in our lives, but it should be a trigger of like, oh, and maybe it's true 90% of the time, the way we do things around the house, this is the way it works. I'm all for routine. I'm all for finding a good pattern on how to do things. But just once in a while, just assessing it, is this still the best way? Like, don't be so stuck in your ways that you can't swerve. Yes. We need a little swerve here and there, don't we? I feel like swerve is my mantra. and my, I like it. My friend Miriam and I always use it with relation to business well we'd be talking about something and then we'll just be like swerve because you, you, <laughs> I love that <laughs> you have to you have to yeah. swerve and like parenting is no different when you have kids you're swerving all the time trying to keep up trying to like make sure they're on the make sure they're swerving and they're on the right path like that's all we, we could really do is kind of, we can't define what is actually going to happen in our lives because we're actually completely out of control. But we can swerve, swerve with what we're given. Yes, get a little swerve action and carry on. Yeah, because none of us chose this global pandemic. None of us chose this. And we are essentially powerless over how it affects our lives in a lot of ways. We can choose to stay home or we can choose to break the rules. But essentially, like we're not going to, we're not going to change the outcome. So if this is our new reality, what are we going to do? How are we going to parent? How are my kids going to get educated? How am I going to make money? Um, these are all questions I ask myself. And sometimes that answer is, Yes, uh, Priv, I will sustain and will change to the new needs and we'll, we will grow from it and our digital will be what we finally have wanted to do this whole time and now we're just being forced to really dive in and do it and we have the resources to do it. Um, but we should be redefining ourselves and taking this opportunity to like some really cool creative things could come out of this. Yes, and that's what I am, you know, looking ahead to and even in my personal life, like you said, always just figuring out what we can do to swerve, as you say, and maybe look at adapting and another way of doing things. Do you feel like you're catching up though? Like now having this quarantine break where you're like getting to, like everyone has that ongoing list that yes. they can't get to the end to. Do you feel so, like you're catching up on it? Well, here's the thing. I just, um, implemented, I'll call it this, um, kind of like, I don't know, task management principle called getting things done. And 
is it an app? Um, no, it's like a book and it's done by this, the guy who he's a coach originally for this, like, this is what he does. And he wrote a book and yada, yada. But anyways, after I, I had the time and space to read the book and really apply it, which takes some time. And now, yes, I, I'm like amazed. I feel like, I mean, my list like yours would never be at zero. It's just not going to happen. But I feel in control of the big picture. Like I know it needs to get done and I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not like, oh shit, this has slipped through the cracks. Totally. Which I love. I, feel, I love that feeling. I feel like it's just bringing us all back down to planet earth and it's yeah. really important because I think it's taken us a hundred years to do all the damage and <laughs> that has gotten us to this point. And now the universe is like, stop, like, no, no, this is not how you live. Like, and I, I reflected on that really honestly, like a month ago, two months ago, how busy I mm-hmm. was. That's not okay. Like that's, it's just not okay. And I fought it for a long time. And I would say like, like end the busy mindset, stop wearing your busy badge. Like no one is like busyness is a fault of, mm-hmm. of disorganization and poor life management. And that's truly how I felt, but I couldn't get on top of it because I truly was, life was so busy. The kids had so many sports and then there's all these parenting responsibilities and I had so many employees and I was trying as best as I could do, but truly I feel like it took a global pandemic to, to stop me in my tracks and say, stop, chill the fuck out. Like, can I swear on this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think all of my episodes have explicit in them. Um, so yes, swear away. Yeah. But, I, think I had a similar experience with this where it kind of highlighted all the things that I was doing that I didn't really fucking care about. And mm-hmm. I thought I was good. I thought I, and I think in general, I'm pretty good at saying no to things I don't want to do, but it's just reinforced that and then illuminated more shit that I didn't really care about. Like, I don't miss it is my thing right now. Yeah. I actually was at, I was at the point about a year ago, I was like trying to shape shift my life about a year ago where people would like read my bio and they'd be like, Oh, like, aren't you so proud? And I would be like, no, like I never said it, but I didn't feel proud at all because it was all things I actually thought was like a poor representation of a human being. I'm like, this isn't like a representative of a balanced individual of someone who's like balancing motherhood. And like, this is also not a healthy thing to promote to other parents. Like I didn't feel like I was actually, I feel like people thought I was a good example, but I didn't actually feel like a good example. Right. So it was like, I took it as like, imposter syndrome like oh you just don't understand you just can't like be grateful you're always like looking for the next thing but truly like I don't I did not feel aligned with how I was living I didn't feel like life should be that busy and that difficult to juggle and I thought my kids were sacrificing a parent in order for me to achieve those things so I wasn't proud of those badges of honor anymore like that wasn't symbolic of me that I, I don't want to be on my deathbed and, you know, have my list of accomplishments and not, you know, be a present mother, one of them. Yes. And if you, 
not to get too morbid, but if you ever um, talk to, you know, people who are terminally ill or you, you know, have friends or family who that's the people they work with, like no one's sitting there speaking of regrets, no one's sitting there being like, oh, I really wish I won this other award for my business. And like, nobody's sitting there thinking that. No, I really wish I would have been written up in that magazine and I would have done like 50 more podcasts. Like, no, no one gives a shit. No, I took six months off recording podcasts. I I hit a point where I was like, no, no, I, I, I felt like I wasn't showing up in one situation. And I kind of like, I think it was a bit of a break for me. And I was like, no, I need to step way back, way, way, way back. And I'm really, really grateful that I made those changes in my business and personally, because I, that was the work that led me up to being okay during this crisis we're going through right now. Yes. And so that, like you said, that groundwork has let you be okay with not being quote unquote so busy and like running around everywhere. Yeah. And it also, I think it saved me financially because I'm so grateful that I made those change, the strategic changes to my business to make my life less busy. Like what started as a, I think it was intuition, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What I started to make my, to simplify my business and simplify my life has now, I think will be my financial savior because I'm not incredibly overextended with my business anymore. I, I don't have a million employees like I had. I really, I started um, subcontracting a lot of my business and contracting it out. And so I, I really am not in a situation that a lot of other businesses are in right now. I mean, I am in a situation where it's like we have had to close our doors, but I had, I had closed out two mall stores in the last year because I didn't feel confident in signing a long-term lease with the malls based on foot traffic and my, the way I feel about the future of the digital world. I said, I should put all of that resource into my digital. There's no way. And I'm not sure malls will bounce back from this. So I'm like so grateful I did that. Wow. That is great. And at that time it was like, oh, it felt like a failure. I was like, oh, like why would I I have to close these? Yeah. Why would I not renew my lease? Like that feels like, but I was like, I can't justify it. This is just like, it would be a stupid decision to continue. And, and it's just like, I could make way more money putting this into my website than the effort I need to put it into the storefront and all of my staff and all of the resources and signing a long-term lease. And so I made those hard decisions and didn't do that. And I had some really positive changes immediately after my web boomed right after Mm. I was was connected with my employees. I was connected with my team. Um, I, I had control over my business again. I was present in my personal life. So like I saw like 20% of the benefits that I think we're all starting to see now by being present in our lives. And this was like the final shift for me was like, oh, now that with this, now the world stopped. And I was like, oh, wow. This was like the final 20% of my change. That's amazing. And one thing I just really liked that you said there is that, because I think about this a lot. So the idea of failure, because as a recovering perfectionist, I used to really think failure was like the worst thing ever. And it actually can stop you the perfectionism and the fear of failure can actually stop you from even getting started a or b from making the right decision which is what 
you yes. just touched on. So instead of, because I think a lot of people would have looked at that situation and thought with their ego and with that fear and thought, there's no way I'm fucking closing a store. Like I'm not doing that. Like You just nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really important for people to kind of let that sink in. Like that's not a failure. You learned a lot and you grew in a way better direction. So, well, and also it was good when it was good. Like I feel, I feel like at the time, I totally relate to what you just said, because when I made the decision, it was against my ego. It was, Mm. it was completely like separating myself from my ego and saying, this is a smart business decision. And this is not, I don't care how that makes me feel. I'm making the smart business decision. Um, but ego plays a role. And if it had played an overpowering role in that decision, I would have gone the other way and done the other thing. And that would have created some financial hardships, which I'm just at this point, so grateful not to have, because those would be major. Yeah, that would be, you know, really a struggle right now, or it would make you feel like suffocated, I think. And even the, even the humbling thing that I felt with like, kind of quieting my ego, I don't think we should ever live in our ego period. So that was something I needed to learn right there. Like we should never be driven by your ego. Our ego shouldn't be a part of any decision-making that we do. No, you kind of like, listen, you let it, you let it say it's peace. But then just as you said, you made the decision based on how it was aligning with your values, what made the most business sense, not, well, how will it look if I close a store? Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. I like now, that you see it like that. Let's switch to a little lighter note to end off. Yeah. I yeah, that's heavy. <laughs> no, this is all good stuff though. But I was curious, what um, are some spring slash summer fashion trends you are excited about? Oh my God, I have like so many things. I have like <laughs> brought in and brought home from work and like summer dresses that I'm so excited to wear because A, I'm pregnant. So I know that that, and I'm doing July. So that's what I will be wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, our, we're now living in rompers and sweatpants. <laughs> it's like bizarre. <laughs> Because, like, why would you put on jeans right now? I love the memes that are like, oh, hey, Karen, you know, quarantining in your jeans. You're not proving anything. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, I feel that. There is zero part of me that wants to put on a pair of jeans (laughs) because I am terrified at even stepping on a scale right now at this at this at 24 weeks pregnant like no thank you (laughs) I actually didn't weigh myself my entire pregnancy because my midwives were like no you don't have to I'm like perfect nope well on that note I was obsessed with my weight in my first pregnancy and I Hmm. worked out like all the time and I gained I put on 40 pounds which was like slightly more than expected or whatever uh, the average but I think nothing concerning and and I didn't weigh myself at all through my second and third and but they force you at the midwife so like they, they have it on my chart but I put on like 25 pounds without even thinking about it so it's like totally has a counterproductive approach by <laughs> worrying about your weight in my experience well I think you're putting that energy of worrying about it you know as opposed to just living the way that feels good <laughs> at the time 
it's just not worth the stress. Like at the end of the day, I feel like we are being held hostage by this like human parasite in our body and (laughs) it is going to do what it is going to do. And we, it is a lot out of our control. So try to like, I, before this, I felt like I had such a win because I just did 25 minutes of walking on my treadmill. And I'm like, okay, this feels like a win. And now I'm going to have some lunch and do a podcast. And I'm like, kind of just checking off those pie chart, you know, of like, yeah, things that boom, boom. I'm going to like a boom, big success today. <laughs> that is, I would count that as a huge but success. Let me sum up this spring fashion question. I yeah. am like, so obsessed with some of the bathing suits that are coming in and I hope we get some summer so that, and people have pools so that they get to like enjoy them. Um, so bathing suits right now, I'm like pretty obsessed with some of the, like, um, we have some new workout leggings. They're called the ultimate leggings. And there's like these four very like fresh spring colors. I have been having those on repeat, obviously, because they're a legging and you can work out, but they're also like kind of cute colors. It's like pink and this blue gray color. That's like really pretty. Okay, I think I just saw someone post that on social this morning. They're the Priv collection, right? Yes. And they say Priv like on the back top? Yes, they do. Oh, and they're, they're like so cute. And there's like matching like bra tops, but they're like a little bit longer. You will not find me in one of those right now, but you will find me in the leggings. (laughs) You're not going to be just wearing that? No? Well, And they're nice because they're actually quite thin, but they like still really suck you in. So they're, those are kind of have been my fave. And then there's some, we have this promenade romper it's called. It's got buttons down the front. Emily, do you, if you don't have one, I'm going to send you one because it's been like my like fashion cute sweatsuit. (laughs) I do not. I like have been wearing it on repeat. And I was like, oh, that that again. But I like, you know, when you feel cute in something and it's comfortable and it like works with your daily needs, I I feel like it's a thousand percent. You need to have those go-tos. I think especially as moms who still want to look like, I still like looking cute and put together, but I don't want to feel super uncomfortable anymore. I'm just past that. (laughs) Well, it's like, as strong as I get spiritually, emotionally, physically, I, if I don't look good on my level, like just like wash my face, maybe like have my hair like cute uh, to some degree, which like right now is just like a top knot and that's okay. Cute, but no? I can't, like, I have to like be tied together in some way. I just, I can't do like the sloth thing. I have to like, (laughs) I don't feel like me and that's just who I am. Like I want to look cute and presentable. And what's funny is my daughter is like the exact same way. Like she gets dressed four times a day. Like she loves pairing these different outfits together. And I'm like, oh God, what is your future? Like that is... Okay. If you, you guys have to obviously follow Donnie and Privilege, but... Um, or sorry, Priv, and her daughter is like the most amazing. She's so funny and has such a cute little personality. Oh, she is like a little Shirley Temple. Her hair is just like curls, but they, it literally grows in a circle. Like <laughs> doesn't, doesn't go down. She's, I joke, I'm like such an Ev. I'm like, she's a golden girl. Like she reminds me of like an 80 year old named Blanche. Like that's she totally channels Blanche. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was saying to Eva, I was like, the three of us have to be the three golden girls for Halloween. Like we have to do it. Oh, that would be just <sighs> money. I'll look forward yeah. to that. 
And she's got a very like eclectic style as well. Like very, you might not remember the show Blossom. Do you remember that on yeah, TV? Yeah, like, I know the okay. show. Blossom, you're a little younger than me. I didn't know. And <laughs> uh, she uh, always wore like the hats and like the yellow shirts. And that's Elliot. Like Ellie like has this very eclectic style. And it's like, she's just doing her. Doing her thing. Yeah. So the funnest. So don't ask her about spring fashion because I don't think she'll agree with me. <laughs> she might not have the same vision. She's mixing prints like insane. <laughs> not really Donnie's style. No. <laughs> but we have like a ton of cute summer flowy dresses coming out that I'm pretty excited about as well. Like once the the quarantine wait wait hits everybody and the sun comes out, everyone can just live in dresses for the summer and we'll be happy. Absolutely. And like you kind of mentioned, you have some of the best kind of um, lounge wear, but like mm-hmm. still make it cute, put together kind of thing. So well, I, I didn't like- even mention our sleep line. Like our sleep by Priv is, I'm not just saying this, it is the most comfortable fabric you can buy. It is, we call it our buttery French terry, but it is so, so soft. Um, I have like 12, obviously I have a lot of our sleep because I designed it. But I just like have, it's all I wear. Like I've, I've been living in it. Like I put my leggings on and then I like go back to my afternoon PJs and then I have my night PJs. And well, I'm obsessed I, also. I'm a huge fan. And the, the material is the best that I have personally found in sleepwear. So if you guys haven't experienced it, it is, it is something. It is, it's, wor- it's like a treat. I feel like it's like a nice treat yourself. It is. And I think especially during this time, it's nice to have like a few of those little treats that are still kind of like, they're still practical. Oh, 100%. Which I like. <laughs> like we've got um, this one set. It's called our Wildest Dream set. It's so simple. It's like a kind of like off the shoulder, like sweatshirt with pants, but it's like in our sleep fabric. You could, I take my kids to school in it all the time. Like you could wear oh, it yeah. to the grocery store, throw a jean jacket on. It's totally good to go. It's neutral. Um, but it's so luxurious. Like when you put it on, it's so soft. You just want to like crawl in bed and watch a movie. Yes, absolutely. It's the best. And I will link all these kind of, um, items that we touched on just so people don't have to go searching because that's always annoying. Um, I want to kind of wrap up here and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and for being, um, just so open and honest. I think, Um, people will get a lot from this conversation. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And I hope um, you guys can listen to Priv Talks and uh, I'll see you around, Emily, for sure. Absolutely. And before we do like our final little questions, where is the best place for people to connect with you? So I am on Instagram. That's probably my number one place to connect with me. Um, my handle is Donnie Ray, D-O-N-N-I-R-A-E. Um, don't ask me why my parents named me that. That's just what I got. And, um, and then Priv Talks Podcast and uh, Style for the Priv is our, is our retail channel. So yeah, I hope to to see all you guys there yes and last two here so thinking over the last couple weeks we like to celebrate the wins and the fails because you know it happens almost minute by minute as a mom so what is your biggest mom fail and mom win recently I think my win has been my cooking I have been like 
I'm proud at like, it's such a job, like three meals a day. Like when you're off to work during the days, like your breakfast and dinner, I feel like I'm cooking around the clock right now because (laughs) nobody's going out and I'm realizing how often that we were grabbing sushi or, you know, getting Subway or going out for dinner. And so I'm like, I feel like financially it's a huge win to be cooking this much and to be resourceful. Yes. Um, But then I also just like giving myself a pat on the back lately. I'm like, I'm a good cook. Like I've been like nailing some good dinners. So that you've been posting some too. They've been looking pretty tasty. Not going to lie. And there, I've just been like whipping them up. I'm getting so many questions. People are like, what did you put in that? What is that recipe? I'm like, well, I never even thought to write it down because I didn't think <laughs> anyone would want this. And I literally just threw everything from the fridge in it. But I think when you're kind of a creative person, you just play with recipes and it's kind of a new channel or a new outlet. And I see so many people doing it. Like this guy I know that never, I didn't think he ever went home. He made dumplings on Instagram yesterday. I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> Yum. People are cooking again. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, And then my fail would be arguing with my six-year-old. He is my strong-willed child and (laughs) he is also incredibly sensitive. And just like shouting at him the other day, like I I literally cannot raise my voice at him because any point I want to get through um, gets like he, he he spins off into like a frenzy if I, if I, and it upsets me so much. So I actually lost my patience the other day and I was like, just screamed at him. I was like, I don't even care. Like get out of my face. And I felt so bad after. And then I got on his level and apologized. And it's a real, like we all yell, it happens. We all get frustrated. We all lose our patience. Um, but at the end of the day, like I know what to do. And it's just like reminding yourself to like be calm and patient. But that probably would be my mom's fail, would be shouting at my kids when I'm frustrated. I feel like that's probably a very common one. Like it's probably amplified right now too. So yeah, I don't think it's anything to beat ourselves up about. Um, Yeah, because it's, you're human too. Yeah. And we're all like, all the kids are human. They're frustrated. They're scared. They're you know, not sure about what's going on. They haven't left the house in weeks. Like it's, it's just a hard situation. Yes, definitely. We're all just doing our best at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. I can't wait to listen. Thank you. And we'll all follow you on Instagram and get in our buttery, soft, Terry Priv sleepwear. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.